everyone, and welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, where we chat with interesting and engaging individuals here and far about change, making change, living change in their own lives, how they've experienced unimaginable change, and innovative ways people uplift the lives of others. We chat about triumphs over tragedies, mindset matters, and how we live out our life's purpose inspirationally. So please join us to be inspired and empowered to be the change you want to see in this world. You know, we can all be change makers in our lives. Here's to the change you're about to bring forth. Today, I have the great pleasure of welcoming another guest um, to our show, and I'd like to, to be—I'd uh, like to introduce you to Dina Eisenberg of Outsource Easier. She's coming to us on the West Coast, and we are just delighted to have her a part of our show today. So, welcome, Dina. Thank you so much. I am so delighted to be here and you know to talk with you and your listeners about some of my favorite topics. You know, it, it is funny how we, uh, you know, we have those little hot spots that, uh, you know, we could probably talk about in our sleep um, because we feel so passionate. Um, we've seen them come alive with the success of our clients. Um, and so I'm glad that we've connected today. Just wanted everyone to know that Dean and I connected via LinkedIn. So for all those folks who don't think that LinkedIn works, <laughs> quote, quote, unquote, right? Um, right. If you, um, if you follow the path uh, and to seeking like-minded people, uh, it's amazing what you can do with um, network, uh, online uh, network building uh, with like-minded professionals. So uh, we're so glad to have you here today. So to, to get us started, Dina, why don't you share with our listeners a bit about yourself, your professional passion, and a few insights into your professional journey. I would love to do that. So, you know, no one ever grows up deciding they're going to be an onboarding and outsourcing expert. It's kind of a thing that evolves. So I first started my career as a lawyer and I prosecuted doctors for sexual misconduct for several years. And while it was a very serious topic, I learned so much from the women that I worked with about courage and determination and having a vision for your life. And I took that with me when I became a small business mediator and then on to becoming the corporate ombudsman for Bank of America, where I served 60,000 employees across the United States, helping them to navigate the day-to-day work life, the challenges of dealing with others, and really understanding what drove their behavior, what they wanted out of the world, and how to make that so. So how did I make the transition from being a corporate ombudsman to being a lawyer, helping other lawyers learn how to lead and onboard a team? Well, let me tell you that 50 cent story very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband was running a million dollar business and I was running a six figure consulting business. And because I'd been in corporate America, I used to say to him all the time, you need to bring on team. You have to add somebody, you're, you know, you're working a lot. You'll be so much happier if you bring on someone to help you. And he gave the standard excuses that I hear from entrepreneurs and lawyers all the time. Well, I don't want to spend the money when I can do it myself. Why would I bring on somebody who's just ultimately going to be my competitor? 
And the big one, I don't have time. It's so much faster for me to do things myself. And I'm sure that some of your listeners have said exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't convince him. And so, you know, people have to do what people do. One night he sneezed and he ruptured two discs in his back. Oh boy. Yeah, that led to emergency surgery where just like on Grey's Anatomy, the doctor is saying 90 minutes or they're gonna be paralyzed. Mm. That was the news that I got from the doctor. So all my attention went to helping him get through the surgery, which he did, and then starting a two year recovery. But his clients didn't really understand. All of his clients dropped him within a week of his major surgery. Mm. Why? No team. He had no one who could pick up the pieces and carry on the business because he wasn't there. And because he wasn't there, all income dried up. And so it was really challenging because while I was still able to run my business, I was really focusing on helping him recover. And I knew that there were lots of other business owners and lawyers who thought exactly the way that he did, that they didn't want to bring on team because they thought it was a bother and something that was going to be an expense to their business rather than thinking of it as an investment and an essential in their business. So my passion really is helping lawyers and other business owners understand that the best way to grow your business and make it sustainable and profitable is to create a caring team that aligns with your values and goals, that wants to support you and works the way that you do. No, that's, it's so incredibly important. You know, it takes a village. Um, and one of the things that I always say to our clients who are professional services providers is, you know, sometimes it, it can swing either way. They can get so much into the weeds that they don't see the bigger growth vision for their business and its life cycle, or, mm-hmm. they're, or they're so out there that they don't have control or even oversight or acknowledge of what's happening on the day-to-day to their detriment if they don't have the right member team members in place. Um, so one of the things that we remind our clients about and to ask themselves you know, constantly is if they're staring a task in the face, asking themselves, is this a good use of my time? Exactly. You know, I ask people to say, you know, who has superior knowledge? And if it's not you and it doesn't require your professional expertise or experience, it's something that somebody else can do for you and you should let them. It is, to me, it's crazy for some of the small to mid-sized firms that we've represented that the principal himself or herself, you know, still takes care of the QuickBooks or they do, you know, the ordering of supplies. And I'm like, really? Have you really thought this through? If you're $400 an hour and this is something that someone earning $25 an hour can do, I mean, you do see the cost benefit of, you know, spending your billable, a non-billable time out developing relationships or enhancing your reputation rather than taking care of these operational aspects. And, you know, most of the time, what we have found is that they don't really think of it that way. It's just another box to check on their to-do list. But as you and I both know, Dina, those boxes can prevent us from growing and prospering. That's exactly right, Kimberly. And, you know, the reason why that is, particularly with lawyers, I can't speak so much for other service providers, but 
in law school, we're trained to accept overwhelm as normal because that's what happens during the three years. And we're also taught not to trust others so that we have to take total responsibility. And if there's a mistake, it's always your fault. So the default position is I have to do everything myself because that's the only way that I can ensure that everything will be done properly. But of course, that's a fallacy. It's incorrect to think that way and a big detriment to growing your firm. I had a client who it took me about a year to convince her uh, to get a bookkeeper because she was like, I can't trust anyone else. The only person I would trust to do this is my mom. And you know, she doesn't know anything about. Oh, wow. It was at that level. And so after a year of discussions and working on her practice, finally I got her to say yes to hiring a bookkeeper. Well, the first thing the bookkeeper did when she came in was look at all the books. Immediately she found errors. Places where the lawyer had been overcharged or under, you know, had problems in the, the details of the bookkeeping so that she was actually paying more for things and not getting charged for other things. She had subscriptions that she'd forgotten about and she was just continually paying them because, you know, that's what happens when you do it yourself. You don't look for little flaws and errors. So within a month or two, that bookkeeper was able to raise her revenue significantly. Wow. So she went from having like a five-figure month to, you know, a high five-figure month because she now wasn't doing the books herself anymore. Uh, she could go out and do the networking and bring in clients. The bookkeeper helped her organize the kinds of clients and she now knew who her most profitable clients were. So now she wasn't just looking for anybody. She was looking for clients that fit that profitability mold and her revenues rose. And she was like, why didn't I do this sooner? I'm like, Okay. I'm so glad you did it now. <laughs> when the when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Exactly. That was it. <laughs> so uh, I love to hear stories like that, that people can finally realize that, you know, that they can learn and grow. Um, and they don't, I mean, it's not sustainable to quote, do it all yourself um, all the time. It's just not, um, not if you want to be, you know, not if you really truly have a desire to grow your business, because with a growing business becomes more focus on um, the client relationships and, and delivering that extraordinary service, which is what our model is for our clients and for our company. But then you have to be the face of your firm. And so those two activities alone can command the majority of your time. And so, you know, you, you should not be looking at you know, content for your website or, you know, um, account receivable statements. No, you should not. In fact, I don't know if people have had a chance to look at the Attorney at Work social media study. It came out recently, just a, a month or two ago, and it was fascinating because it said that solo and small firm, law firm owners are doing the best on social media. They're really knocking it out of the park. It's really helping them to generate more clients. But it also said that 82% of that population do their own social media, spending up to five hours a week. Now that blew my mind because think about it. You're 250 an hour and you're spending five hours a week doing your own social media. That means curating the content, producing all the graphics, then doing all the distribution and all the promotion. 
that's incredible that you would invest that amount of time in something that, frankly, lawyers don't know that much about. Correct. Um, and that they don't need to do it all. It's so much cheaper. It's like you're investing like twelve fifty a month to do it yourself. You could spend less than that and have a professional do all of your social media in a really planned and strategic way for less money. Why wouldn't you do that? They don't know any better. It's, it's the lack of education. They just don't. And, and that whole non-trusting um, attitude. And, and there are, I have to say, you know, that's one arm of our business that we manage a social and digital marketing programs for our law firm clients and do and handle web development. And we're as transparent as can be. But I have to say, since, I mean, I've been, I've worked in web development since 1995 when I was at Saul Ewing. And it has gotten so complicated that it really is. Of course, it has emerged new, a whole, new, multiple new industries. Mm -hmm. But I mean, these are, they, I mean, people spend their whole job learning and, and staying abreast of this and going to conferences and such. And, you know, if you're going to, you know, it's a matter of uh, investing wisely. Um, you know, you may be able to post content or whatever, but that's just really part of the game. Um, right. Because Google's constantly setting the, you know, setting the bar at different levels and changing the rules of engagement. Um, but it's, it's ultimately, I think it's because the lawyers or the law firms just, they don't know and they don't see the value right away because it's not, mm -hmm. it, it's not necessarily an immediate um, quote payoff. And of course it, they have to set realistic expectations and that gets fairly complicated. But we, you know, we, have seen and, and talked to many, many firms and, and have been kind of come in after the fact and to clean up other people's messes right. where the law firms have retained services that made, you know, over-promised and under-delivered and the law firms have gotten burnt numerous times. So, so that even adds to their cynicism and skepticism mm -hmm. and they think they're just going to do it themselves. And I, and I feel very, 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 very badly about that because there are plenty too many sneaky salesmen out mm -hmm. there that they are you know all hot on sales and zero on delivery and service um but it really is you know what, what we like to say is that we if you allow us to do what you we do best then that will allow you to do what you do best exactly um, and that's exactly. what we all want for all lawyers right exactly. no lawyer went to law school to do social media no. or do their own content marketing or those kinds of things. You went to law school because you wanted to help people solve legal problems. Sure. And so part of what I try to tell people is that delegating to outside folks outside your firm is part of helping you do a better job. If you're exhausted and overworked because you're at your desk 16 hours a day because you did all the management part of running your firm, so you're now at night you're doing the actual law work, you are doing a disservice to your client. That's not what they signed up for. You're overworked, you're tired, you're not gonna make the best decisions, and you're not giving your best to your client. So you really have to put in systems in place, including outsourcing and bring hiring team so that you can free up your time to focus on what should be your core job, which is practicing law. Correct, correct. That's, I mean, it, it, is, it is a mission to educate um, that principle, and it really is a, a discipline. Um, so why don't you describe to our listeners, you, you show, shared with us a little bit about your professional path. And so now you have Outsource Easier, 
Um, and I'm just curious, how do you break that down and how do you provide solutions to your clients with your company and its services? I love that question. Thank you for answer, asking me that. I'm happy to answer. So what I try to do is help lawyers and law firms see their opportunities along the lines of outsourcing and onboarding. So for outsourcing, most people turn to that when their hair is on fire, let's be honest. They're way overworked and they're happy to get anybody, whether or not they're qualified and they don't really know exactly what they want, they just know they want things to change. So my job is to help lawyers strategize about that, put together an outsourcing strategy where these are the things that I'm always going to outsource Here's why I'm going to, because they bring this much value back to my firm. And usually these are things that are time consuming, um, things the lawyer either doesn't do well or doesn't like to do. So a good example of that is billing. Yeah. Most lawyers don't like to do the billing. And so it stacks up and it stacks up and it stacks up. I had one client that had four months of bills to go out. I was like, oh. what? how are you living without the money? Right. Um, but they were like, well, it's just, I never get around to it. And the reason why is she just hated to do it. So those kinds of tasks are things that you should outsource because they're becoming an obstacle right. to the growth of your firm. So really, I'm educating people on what tools are out there for them, helping them understand that they can give themselves permission not to do every little thing in their business, and then identifying those tasks that really should be done by somebody else and then finding them, helping them find the right resources. Because there are great outsourcing platforms online like Upwork and Virtual and World Wide Web. And there are different levels of service. So I help them identify the best level of service for them. And then they go off and do their plan. And that really in turn involves a lot of pre-planning. So most people want to just hand the task off, dash, you know, dump and dash. The problem with that is your help is not really gonna understand the project well and they're not gonna be engaged or committed to it. What you really wanna do is create a job legend. So here's the project I want you to do. Let me give you all the details. Let me tell you how I'm thinking about it. Let me tell you the things I don't want you to do. And let me give you all the tools you need to successfully complete this project so that I can feel like I've put you in the best position possible, which allows me to let go and let you do the task, right? And then you get it done and I get to work on something else. So that's how I help with the outsourcing portion. For folks who have had, let's say horror stories with hiring where they've hired the wrong person and they just introduced them into the firm but without any real care or meaning. So they, the person shows up and they're like, here's your desk, get to work. Mm -hmm. that, that, and you know, I, I say that curtly and Sadly, that's how it happens at some firms. It's like you show up, get to work. And that does not work if you want to create and retain, create loyal employees and retain them. Right. These days, there's a little bit of a tight market in terms of great legal employees, and people have other places besides your law firm that they can work. So we used to say that employees need to make a great first impression on the employer. Now it's true the other way around. If you're hiring somebody and introducing them into your firm, you need to make a great impression on that new hire because guess what? Studies show that 33% of new hires will leave your firm within the first month yeah. if their expectations are not met. 
So you have to convince them they've made a great decision to come and work for you. You have to give them some context about how their role fits into the bigger picture of things. You have to connect with them on a human level because we all do our best work for people we know, like, and trust. It's just a fact. And if you're just the boss and I have no connection to you, I have no incentive to do a great job except for the paycheck. And then we have to give employees clarity around exactly what we want them to do. Sometimes we think people can read our minds. So I hear lawyers say all the time, I want somebody who will take initiative. Now, what the heck does that mean? Right? It means something different to every person. So you have to define that and help the person understand what take initiative means for you. People know how to do their jobs, but they don't know how to do the job for you. And that's the clarity that you want to give them. So I help lawyers and small business owners really create onboarding plans that are remarkable so that the person feels like, gosh, this was such a great experience. I, I'm so happy to be here meaningful because they know that they're contributing to something bigger than themselves and they're proud to do it and memorable so they understand okay this is how i fit in and i understand how things work and when you put all those three things together what you get is a caring trustworthy team that aligns with your visions and, and goal they're determined to help you grow because they see themselves in the work and they stay because they're happy and appreciated. Um, and so I really take that on as my mission to really bring that to light for, for lawyers in particular, because that's not what we're trained to do. No one ever taught us how to run a business, and we sure as heck didn't learn how to lead people. Most lawyers don't want to be in that position, but these days it's essential if you would like to grow. That's fascinating. So it sounds like you really offer um, turnkey services. Um, what, so what are the types of positions that you um, help after you strategize with your law firm clients on what their needs are? What would be a typical um, team onboarding scenario as far as the type of positions um, mm -hmm. that, that do you help them find these folks or you make the recommendation that these are the types of folks that you need to bring to your team? Usually I'm making the recommendation. So folks who are working with me on onboarding are usually going through my group coaching program. And so they're in a cohort of other lawyers who are exactly the same place growing their teams. And then we help them create custom orientation and an onboarding plans. And then in terms of who to bring on, there's actually a dream team that I think every lawyer and law firm should have. There are five folks that you just need to bring on. If it's okay, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Yes, I'd love to hear that. Sure. So, you know, the first one is a, a writer, right? Because lawyers learn to write, but we learn to write a particular way, and we are terrible at expressing our true value. And if you can't express your value to clients, guess what? They don't hire you. <laughs> so you need to have a writer who's going to be able to understand you, what you do and your mission and what you bring to what value you bring to clients and express that in the way that your clients can hear and understand in a written form. So the writer is the first hire that I think people should bring on. Then is the financial team. And when I say team, I don't just mean a bookkeeper, which is what people think most. Either I need a bookkeeper or an accountant. I think your financial team is three people. You need to have a bookkeeper that helps you keep track of the day-to-day -day money. 
So they're going to be the one entering into QuickBooks and doing that kind of billing activity for you so that it gets done and it doesn't fall by the wayside because you're too busy. You need to have an accountant who's going to help you with your tax planning and understand how to keep more of the money that you work so hard to earn, right? right? Instead of making tax mistakes that are costing you money. You know, things like what kind of formation should you have is actually a decision you should make with your accountant, not just on your own because there are tax implications to that. And then lastly, you need to have a wealth advisor because if you're doing the first two things, you have a little bit of money. And you want to make sure that money funds the dreams that you have. And so you need a wealth advisor to help you figure out how can I stretch my money and make it really work for me. So that's the second dream partners that I think that you need to bring in. The third is virtual assistants. Now, I know that's kind of a new term for professionals like a virtual assistant. It's just somebody who owns their own business who works remotely who's dedicated to helping you grow your business by doing either the things that you can't do or you don't want to do. And we're probably at the best time ever for getting virtual assistant help because there's literally somebody who specializes in doing whatever it is that you need. So, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't like marketing, content marketing is not your thing, you can hire a virtual assistant to, you know, once you give them the strategy, implement the whole thing for you so that you know you write the articles they put them on linkedin they repurpose them around the web they send them out in your newsletter so it gets done but it's not you doing it so a virtual assistant is definitely somebody to have on your team next people laugh when i say this but it's true lawyers need lawyers right i never met a dentist who pulled his own teeth right so lawyers are you know, infamous for wanting to do their own law work. It's just not a good idea. You need to have a lawyer who's going to help you with the business aspects of running your law practice. And as an extra bonus, they're going to have other clients they might be able to refer you to along with helping you with your own legal issues. So you need to have a lawyer. And last but certainly not least in this technological age that we're in right now, you need to have tech help. And that is a broad brush term. So you need somebody that, like you to help with the website. You need someone like uh, who's going to help you with automation tools and integrating them into your firm. You need someone to help you take care of your actual computer, cleaning it and keeping it up to date. Um, we always think the computer is going to last forever. <laughs> and then it, the hard drive dies. And then you're like, oh, what do I do now? Well, you have a tech guy that you call and he comes over and fixes things. Right. So those are the five teammates that I think are just essential. And that's what I help people look at in terms of their firm is where am I? Do I have these teammates in place? So most people, not so much. Maybe they have one or two. And then I'm helping them strategize to fill in the rest. I've been outsourcing for about a decade. So I have lots of resources to offer up to clients. Although I don't help them do the hiring, I can always give them a resource. Gotcha. Fascinating. I would, I would, I don't know where in your team, dream team, this fits, but I always believe that lawyers, in addition to um, needing someone who's going to do your content marketing, you know, lawyers are not marketers and they're not, they're not growth strategists. Mm -mm. Um, And so 
you know, they should focus on those two things that I say, and that is delivering extraordinary service to their clients and be in the face of their firm. Uh, and when they do that, that's the best use of their time, you know, but they're not necessarily keeping the eye on the ball about growing and no. leveraging opportunities. And so one of the, some of the things that we do when we work with law firms are identifying, you know, who's basically the three categories, the people who will uh, engage in business development activities. They're very self-motivated because they've seen the results of their efforts. Number two, the people who will, are willing to learn that they, they admittedly don't know what to do or where to look for attracting clients. And then thirdly, those, that group of folks that just need to stay at their desk with the door closed and do the work. There's you know, the grinders. Mm -hmm. um, and so what, one of the things that we do is that we work with law firms and lawyers on helping them identify the, the profile of their ideal client and it's amazing to me after all these years that it's not uncommon for lawyers not really to know yeah. who their ideal client is. And, um, you know, our team, and I mean, we've been doing this for so long. You, you tell me what area of practice you're in. I can tell you who your ideal client should be. Um, yep. And then the next question is, where do they go? So wherever they're going for professional development, the lawyer needs to be there in a meaningful way, whether it's, you know, part of the organization or in a committee or leadership, speaking, writing, facilitating, event planning, conference planning, whatever, you know, so we, we proactively look for those opportunities for our law firm clients or for any of our clients to help them get and stay in front of their targeted prospect um, contacts, um, targeted qualified prospects, because that's the only way you're going to, you know, get into the mainstream of your client what we call the client engagement process of cultivating those relationships that will be converted or eventually to paying clients i love that you said that because we actually teach a sort of a client selection process which i call your client yardstick so mm -hmm. folks will look for their ideal clients which i think is a great idea it's just going to be so much easier to grow your firm when you're niche and i ask people to look one step further. So not only the ideal for your, your business, because that makes the most sense, but you're also looking for clients who are best for you, right. which is something that lawyers don't often consider. So what is the temperament of the best client for you? What matters are going to be best for you because they excite you and you, they, you do your best work or because they're the most profitable ones for your firm? How do the best clients, and everybody already has one best client that they love working with, they got great outcomes for, that client refers them all the time. What are the qualities of that client? Because when you can articulate them, then you can seek to reproduce them in other clients. And just like you want to you know, attract more of the best clients, you want to put that information out there so you are deterring the worst clients. So the folks can self-identify, this is not the person for me, because I'm not willing to do the things that they need from their best clients to do. So that you're shielding your practice from clients who are rogues, who are going to be disruptive, who are going to actually eat up more of your time than they're worth. Right. Yeah. You want to do the same thing for employees, right? So often we don't have a great idea about who we want to bring into the law practice, but you need to put the same amount of focus into creating an employee avatar. Who is the best kind of employee for you? What qualities do they have? People always say take initiative and be professional, but what does that really mean to you in a day-to-day -day 
um, workday situation. You have to be able to articulate that. So you, when someone great comes along, you recognize them. And by the same token, when someone who's just going to be marginal comes along, you recognize that too and avoid them. Absolutely. And it, and it stems initially from awareness and planning. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we find that, as you say, lawyers and law firms, they stay in a state of overwhelm and they uh, focus on the thing that has, that is right in front of them. Um, but they seem to also be very, um, um, hmm, what's the word? The, the, they're very easily distracted by that new shiny object. <laughs> a gazillion ideas. I was just talking about that with a client this morning. So <laughs> this morning I was talking with a client about the sovereign nation of you which is a, a term I coined about really being very clear about who you are, both as a person and as a lawyer, and really taking the time, as you say, most people won't take the time to do this, but taking the time to articulate things like, you know, what's a non-negotiable for me? Right. What are my expectations for myself and for my team? How do people describe me and do I own those words? Um, I'm really like, what kind of energy do I want to have in my law firm? Now, I know some lawyers like rolling their eyes going, energy. Oh, geez, yes. Everything is energy. Yes. Yes, Money it is. Energy. Yes, it is. Yeah. So is. you want to stop and think about that and be intentional, not in default mode. So many lawyers are in default culture mode. It's like, well, we didn't think about it from day one, and now we're too busy to think about it. So whatever it is, it is. It's really unfortunate because, you know, <clears throat> having been around the legal services space for close to 28 years with large firms, medium-sized firms, smaller firms, working with some startups, etc., that it, you know, it's almost like that law firms succeed in spite of themselves, <laughs> um, particularly the firms that have any size of all that can balance out the economic cycles. But then, you know, that the journey does not have to be as dismal as mm. some lawyers report that it is because of their, their um, resistance to basically innovation and change. That is so true, uh, particularly now when we're in this transition period where we are redefining what it means to practice law, which I'm pretty excited about. I know you are too, yep. but there's so many lawyers who see this as a challenge, a struggle, something that they don't want to talk about. Like literally, we've been talking about innovation and how we would like to innovate for the last two years. I'm like, okay, we've talked about it. Let's do some innovation. Right. Let's change the way we're practicing. Let's look at some new business models because guess what? Either you get on board or you get left behind. The future of law really belongs to lawyers who are willing to let go of past practices and embrace a new way of practicing and being with their clients. Clients will no longer accept the way that we've run the business in the past. And if firms want to be successful going forward, they're just going to have to change the way that they approach their clients. It has to be a much more client-centric focus. And you have to be willing to adjust your systems. No more saying that's just the way we do it because that will get you bounced quickly quickly will get you bounced um so from your unique um, vantage point dina how do you see firms struggling to leverage their human resources 
as technology and AI continue to march forward so quickly? You know, it's so funny that you asked that, Kimberly, because that's been the complaint, right? We don't want that technology and AI to take over things. Well, I do have a very different perspective. I think using technology and automation and AI allows lawyers to do what we were always meant to do, which is counsel people, right? Right. That technology allows you to have the time to focus on your clients and actually counsel them. Your clients want to feel reassured. They want comfort. They want a connection with you. And if you're too busy doing all the other business work, busy work, because you won't let technology do it, then you are depriving your clients of what they actually need from you. So technology is a great thing. We should start embracing it, not for technology's sake, but because it allows lawyers to be more human and to pay more attention to their clients and solve their problems better. So if you can automate something like intake, which easily can be done, I can name at least two different tools, uh, Document and Client Rock, which are great intake tools. If you can automate that process, why wouldn't you? Right. So that then you can focus on really serving that client. Exactly. It's so important. I mean, you know, it's, it's just interesting that the, the, practice of law and, and financial services and accounting. I mean, these, these have been professions forever and ever and ever. And then, you know, I would say maybe 15 or so, maybe 10, 15 years ago, when the technology ramp up really started hitting us all over the head. And, you know, the concept of apps and, you know, mm -hmm. Mr. Jobs did such a phenomenal job with our smartphones and how that really has recreate it life as we all know it and business as we all know it that um if you don't you the law you know the law firm or the professional services firm doesn't allow and integrate the way that the world has changed as the result of all of this technology then um i mean it's like you're gonna out you're gonna basically put yourself out of business Oh yeah, the dinosaur thinking, and particularly with law firms, you know, I mean, I I saw such a drastic shift, you know, during and after the Great Recession, and mm -hmm. how it all started shifting, and the paradigm started shifting, and the clients really were in the buyer's seat and yeah. in the buyer's market, and how many law firms, and we see, you know, we see all these reports from you know, ALM intelligence or Hildebrand or whatever. And it's like, you know, this is, uh, this is objective data being brought to the marketplace that shows that clients are no longer going to pay for, you know, whatever you, uh, you teaching your new lawyers just for one. Um, yep. And, and they still resist the thinking and they just put their head in the sand. Like, well, you know, we're, we're going to do it this way because this is the way we've already done it. And I think that that just highlights, not that we need another highlight, but it just highlights the fact that lawyers are not business thinkers necessarily. Right. But we're going to become because we have no choice otherwise. Right. right? right. Now you really have to focus on how am I driving my business, particularly for lawyers who might be at a more mature stage in their career. Sure. So it used to be that when you were done, you were done and you kind of just folded the tent and went home. Now there's an opportunity to build in processes and structures so that there can be some succession planning for solo and small firms. Uh -huh. 
-hmm. that you know you don't have to end your participation you might end your work day but you can still participate in your firm you can sell it to somebody else and reap the benefit of that 20 25 years of hard work instead of just letting it go puff up right. in smoke and we have to take that opportunity one of the challenges and i'm kind of giggling about this is texting so you know millennials around that age group they don't like to be on the phone they want to text and you know lots of my clients are like well i, I just can't i'm like yes you can not only can you you are going to start offering ways to interact with your clients that are meaningful to them because what they want goes not whether or not you're uncomfortable with that you will learn to do it um, but if they want to communicate with you by text or by portal is the other thing. So there's a great um, piece of software called case status. And, you know, lots of lawyers like I'm always on the phone with the clients for one or two questions and it kind of breaks up my day and I don't get as much accomplished. Use the technology. You can put all the information in the case status. If people can ask you questions, you can answer when you have the time to do it. And that's what people like. They don't necessarily want to be on the phone with you. Right. They just want the answer. Right, exactly. So here's a fun question that I love to ask our um, guest on our Secret Sauce Marketing Tastings show. If you could give yourself one piece of professional advice, your younger self, I should say, mm -hmm. if you could give your younger self one piece of professional advice, what would that be? Uh, you are right to do it your own way. You're right to do it your own way. And the reason I say that is because lawyers are notorious rule followers. Like we want to follow every rule and we're looking to make sure that everybody else is following the rules too. And my career, you know, and pretty much a 25 year career, both as a lawyer and then as a business consultant to lawyers and large firms is doing it totally different. Like I did not do anything the conventional way and it absolutely worked. And when I was younger, I worried about the fact that, you know, I did things differently. Now I know that that was a benefit to me and it continues to benefit my clients going forward because I have it bring a unique perspective from being a lawyer and being a business person to my clients. Phenomenal. I love that. We, um, well, I, I published an ebook several years ago that's available on our website uh, entitled How Women Lawyers Can Create the Career of Their Dreams by Charting Their Own Course. Mm. Now, mm. a lot of those things would work for males as well, but, you know, talk about rule followers. That would be, you know, all of our faces would be in the dictionary. <laughs> right? Um, but now we have the opportunity for, you know, given the fact of how the economy has changed, the gig economy, the Me Too movement, all the technology, you know, it, we've never had as much latitude and freedom to create the career of our dreams. If you can dream it, you can make it happen because it looks different for every person. Exactly. And, you know, to embrace that, not to wait, because so many people are waiting for permission for somebody to say, yeah, go ahead and do that. Right. You don't need anybody else's permission. You just need your own. While that might be hard to give, there are people like me, like you, who can help you give yourself permission to do something different and help articulate that dream. Very often I find that lawyers want something different, but they're not sure how to talk about it and how to formulate it. And that's when I think it's a really good idea to reach out to somebody who, like me or you, is a coach and can help them think about how they can be doing things 
not only just differently, but in a way that suits them and it feels authentic. And certainly, and creates a lifestyle, you know, right. not as and embracing, you know, all the work that they've invested in to arrive where they have professionally, but that it doesn't have to be black and white as far as it has to be this way. You know, I'm in the office 12 hours a day, or I'm a stay-at-home mom, or whatever the case may be, but it doesn't, you, you can integrate those. And I don't think we've ever seen ever before, and since maybe the last 10 years, how much our lives, personal and professional, have just blended together. Yes. You know, where in previous times, um, I remember back in the 90s and 80s, how everybody wanted to have that, you know, kind of subjected of, you know, I'm, when I'm done at the office, I'm done. Well, technology's right. changed all that. Yeah, you you know your office can be anywhere and you can work anytime. A good friend of mine is right now traveling through Europe and she's keeping her practice going even though she's not even in the states using technology. So, you know, there really aren't any barriers anymore. If you can think it up, there's somebody who can help you create it so you can do it. I love that. Love that. Um so this has been fascinating, Dina. It's very exciting. Um, I love that we're providing our listeners a mind-opening um, insights into possibilities of how they can grow um, and build and sustain healthy businesses. You know, I always say, and it's not original to me, but if you can see it or, and you, or you believe it, you will see it, but you first have to believe it from yourself as far as what it is that you want to create. Uh, which goes back to your earlier statement. And um, this is, I think we're in a very unique time in history where, you know, like you said, there are no more barriers. And so why not, um, you know, create those teams and, and let them run that business for you so you can do what you do best and let them do what they do best. Exactly. This is the time, people, you know, if you were looking for a change, if you want a different lifestyle and a different practice, this is absolutely your moment to make that true for yourself. It, it is the moment. So I want to make sure that our listeners have a, the best way to connect with you. Uh, should they have, you know, they have um, issues and needs that you have solutions for. So can you share what are, you know, a couple of the best ways that um, clients and contacts can and our listeners connect with you? Thank you for asking. Folks can always reach me on my website, OutsourceEasier.com. I run a free mastermind group called the Intentional Lawyers Club on Facebook. And on July 9th, I'm running a free mastermind on how to energize your team so that they can accelerate your growth. And if mm -hmm. folks are interested in that, they can find the link at OutsourceEasier.com forward slash accelerate dash growth. To register. Awesome. Awesome. I will be sure to go there and, and push it out on our social media um, channels um, to help you build, build that audience for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Kim. Oh, you're most welcome. So this, this concludes another episode of our secret sauce marketing tastings. Uh, we're so delighted to have Dina Eisenberg from outsource easier with us today. Um, please visit klamarketing.com. We have tons of resources video um, clips on how to help you create the career of your dreams, um, our other podcasts, blogs, free downloadable books, uh, because we believe that, you know, it's our mission to inspire and empower law firms and lawyers across the globe 
on how to have and build and sustain a healthy business that fits your life. So thank you once again, everyone, to our listeners, and thank you again, Dina.